you're listening to the Down East Mike Podcast, the quirky little podcast from Maine. And now, your host, Down East Mike. Good morning, everybody. This is Down East Mike of the world-famous Down East Mike Podcast. This is episode number 111, news and commentary for Tuesday, December 5th. 2023. Our motto here is, some of this is whimsy, some of it's true, and the interpretation of it all is entirely up to you. If you're new to the Down East Mike podcast, welcome. You probably won't stay long, but that's okay. We're in a one-second world where the attention span is about two to three seconds. No tolerance, but this is a place if you do have tolerance because we sure can get long-winded. We've got a segment today. Uh, we have uh, Kissinger sending arms to China, 1976. We have the boy burglar of Thornhill. And that segment's going to go on a little bit, but I'll, I'll give you some hints on how to get through it with me. Uh, smallpox in Portland. That's a story out of 1893 on this day. The illness of the instant Maine's crustacean on the move and more. Thanks for listening, we say. Well, also, um, uh, the Downey Spike podcast contains no mean words. It's just wholesome goodness. Down East Maine, it's a historical, literary, auditory candy store. And did you hear the bells on the door when you came in? Kind of that dingly sound, the musty old emporium. Birthdays today. Happy birthday to Sigmund of Lemington. He turns 81, still shovels his own driveway. He was grumbly yesterday, but he did get through it all that snow. Uh and it's supposed to rain next week, I guess. Illness of the instant. Generator's jerk. That is an affliction of the upper shoulder and arm when your generator won't start. And the generator jerk is pulling on the pull cord continuously until the pull cord no longer retracts and the jerk sets in. That's uh, It's definitely... It can be a male or female uh, affliction, the generator's jerk. It can be overcome by using uh, non-ethanol-based gasoline in your generator or using some dry gas or making sure you've put some stable in so that the gas didn't go bad when you last checked it two years prior. Uh, That's one of the ways you can eliminate generator's jerk. And... um, uh, some of the other things to watch for there is is just general uh, discomfort when you're picking up the 100-pound generator, pulling it out of the woodshed to start it. Uh, you may have you may feel disoriented or slightly feverish when you return into the house after pulling on the pull cord for an hour or two without results. So generators jerk, something to be aware of, something to watch out for. That's your illness of the instant on the Down East Mike podcast. We do some stuff here that's intelligent, but maybe we'll get to that right now. The word of the day, impecunious, I-M-P-E-C-U-N-I-O-U-S. It's an adjective, impecunious, and it means having very little or no money, usually habitually. Now, 
Why would you not have money out of habit? If impecunious means penniless, and it stands to reason that pecunious can describe someone who has a lot of money. That is true. But pecunious is used with far less frequency in English than its opposite, and it's not found in many dictionaries. And what's more, on the rare occasion when pecunious is put to use in English, it often means not wealthy, but miserly or ungenerous, as in a pecunious attitude toward the less fortunate. Impecunious describes somebody who lacks the money to buy necessities, but it does not carry the connotation of desperation found in such words as indigent or destitute. Both pecunious and impecunious derive via Middle English from the Latin pecunia, meaning money. Our word of the day. On this day, 1976, Henry Kissinger recently demised you. He thinks that arms to China is in the U.S. best interest. He said on Sunday it'd be in the American interest to help bolster communist China's defensive forces. And he reasoned the independence and independent foreign policy of China is a major American interest and the prevention of military pressures on China is also a major American interest. Kissinger did not spell out what kind of aid he was suggesting for the Peking government, which recently has been shopping for arms in Western Europe. I believe that the strengthening of the defensive capability of China is not against the American interest, and indeed it's in the American interest. What I do not think we should do is use China for tactical purposes. The Chinese quarrel with the Soviet Union has its own motives and follows its own logic and does not need any encouragement from us. This was in 1976. Glad things have not changed much. On this day, I think this was 78, the Michigan Bottle Law came into effect. And it was approved by the Michigan voters. It was the, Michigan became the first large industrialized state with a mandatory deposit law for bottles and cans. That was in 78. To date, only Oregon, Vermont, and South Dakota have imposed deposits on bottles and cans that would otherwise be thrown away. It was always so magical to find an orange crush bottle beside the road and get that deposit. The Michigan law requires a dime refundable deposit on non-refundable containers and a nickel on refillable bottles, and it outlaws the sale of cans with pull-away pop tops. My God, what awful... People here are screaming, says George Curie, who owns a party store that sells beer, liquor, and food in northwest Detroit. What do you expect? They forget they voted for this stupid law. Hmm. Uh, 78. Uh, okay, we have, roll, let's roll it back even further. The Biddeford Weekly Journal, in December 14th, actually, looking ahead, uh, 1894. Railroad Commissioner Chadburn was sitting directly over the axle of the Pullman car on the Boston and Maine when it broke near Wells on Monday. His friends, dealers, however, uh, that Mr. Chadburn shouldn't be considered responsible for breaking of the axle as there was a defect in it. They were trying to say he's heavy, I think, there. 
A Biddeford constable had a dispute with a man about town the other night and then went back up to the skating rink to fight. When they got there, the constable pulled out his handcuffs and threw them at his feet. He drew his revolver with one hand and grasped his club with the other and shouted, Come on! But the other did not come. I wonder why. ABCV has an uh, exhibition at his store in Saco, one of the finest music boxes ever manufactured in this country. It differs from the Swiss music boxes in that it can play any number of tunes. A round steel disc is perforated, and when wound up like Downey's mic, the disc revolves and the performances come upon cones. Uh, they give forth music that is extremely pleasant. A little musical box. W.E. Ulin, that's a name, isn't it? He wanted to get use of a water motor for his Christmas window, but he could not obtain the water from the company for that use at any price. The company's charter does not allow it to furnish water for any other than domestic purposes. Biddeford is tied down on several such matters, as this, I can't quite read it, as this probably, on this subject, uh, probably than any other city of its size in New England. So you wanted to use water in this window display, and they said, no way, must add a little water wheel here. Uh, Judge Burbank of Saco sent another York County tramp to Portland, and he went, sent him to the Portland jail on Saturday for 60 days, and this was regardless of the fact that he's been doing this right along, and that the several Cumberland County judges are doing similar things. Nothing has changed there. The result of this is that Sheriff Cram's boarding house is uncomfortably crowded. At times, the prisoners have to go four or five in a cell in order to have them all under confinement. Uh, Judge Burbank and Judge Cram of Biddeford hit upon this scheme of sending tramps to Cumberland Jail for the reason that there is no workshop at the Elford Jail and tramps like to go there. They, the judges, made the proposition to the Cumberland County people to lend a few of their tramps, paying their board to the sheriff, of course, for the sake of having them somewhere where they could be made to work. That was in 1896. Uh, out of Gardner, Maine, the Kennebec River closed to navigation last night with every prospect of remaining firm. It is one of the best freezes for years, and icemen are happy at the prospect of a good ice crop. The factory, owned and operated by John P. Lovell, Lovell uh, Arms Company at South Portland, is operated year-round at the time of its closing operations last Friday afternoon. On the account of the failure of the Globe Bank of Boston, there were 150 men, 150 men working at the John Lovell Arms Company in South Portland. During a part of the year, oftentimes 300 men were employed there. Bicycles were manufactured, as well as firearms, typewriters, and various kinds of sporting goods. I bet they were quality products, weren't they? The buildings of brick were purchased for $10,000, and as much more has been expended for additions and improvements, making with a large tract of land a property valued at about $25,000. There is fully $200,000 worth of machinery. This is at the John Lovell Arms Company. At the Penobscot Paper Mills at Topsom, 
on Monday, 36 Hungarians refused to go to work on account of it being a holiday, and at times there came very near being bloodshed. There were only a few at first that refused, and they threatened the others until the 36 were out. They were paid off and discharged. As they were mostly operatives in the pulp mill, their places could be easily filled. You hear that? You can be replaced. Uh, Rolling back to 1893 out of the Lewiston Evening Journal, the Christmas tree trains have started. One Bangor man has an order for 20 carloads of firs and spruces. I bet that was a sweet-smelling train as it rolled down the tracks. Portland has gone back to gas for the lighting of its municipal buildings, although it hasn't got that extra dividend from its gas company yet. <laughs> They're looking for some money back. And here's our word of the day. Impecunious and agile bath urchins get a glimpse of paradise by peering down on shows in the local opera house through the skylight in the roof. That's quite paints quite the picture, doesn't it? The little children looking down at the opera house and bath. Here we get to our feature story about the curiosity shop evolved by the boy burglar of Paris Hill. Deputy Sheriff Garland has given the Oxford Advertiser the following complete and curious list of articles found in the hiding places of Abner Thorne, the boy burglar of Paris Hill. You probably would not find a more remarkable assortment in the den of a veteran fence than this. Now, we'll start reading some of these, and here's what I was thinking. You could if you were at a stoplight and you rolled your windows down while Down East Mike is recounting this list of of things that the boy burglar had, I think you'd get some attention. Oh, you could do it, play it in your cube, and your boss would probably have you go home for the day. But anyway, this is what the boy burglar has in his some of the items in his little trove of things that he stole. A patent grooving plane. Knuckle joint block plane. Ratchet bit brace, combination tool, a rosewood double mortise gauge, number one Stanley odd jobs and two foot rule, a 12 inch back saw, pair seven inch pliers, 15 twist drills, peg all and handle with wrench, a countersink, screwdriver for bit brace, pair of double pliers, key saw blade, wood rasp, 22 small pine boards, six boxes of screws, cabinet rasp, 10 inches, flat file, 4 inches, three cornered file, 3 inches, pair of skates and key, iron clamp, 3 inches, iron spoon, 12 inches, iron melting ladle, 16 and a half inches. Folks, if you're just joining us, I'm reading off a list of items found in the hiding places of Abner Thorne, the boy burglar of Paris Hill. You're not going to want to miss what's coming up here. Other items, pair of skates and key, iron clamp, three inches. Um, we did that one. Toothbrush, got to have that. Four harps, a brass flute, box of paints, tin whistle, 
nickel pocket compass with gilt chain, one combination lock made by Abner Thorne in imitation of lock on safe in Paris townhouse, bolts, nursing bottle stopper, teary knobs, a dark lantern made from jelly tumbler and supposed to have been made by Abner Thorne, 22 caliber Stevens rifle, 10-inch barrel, a skeleton stock, pair of rubbers, wooden block containing type, the entire alphabet, box of number one conical uh, bullet breech caps, box of copper rivets and burrs, block with holes containing cartridges, two boxes of waterproof caps, pint can of drop black, a bottle shot, box of gun wads. This kid stole everything in the county. A small Watham watch, wood block for false keyhole in the post office. He, I think he planned more work, too. Pair of tan gloves, pair of tennis shoes. I know they had tennis shoes in 1893. Pocketbook, stamps, 12-inch brass blowpipe, pair of buckskin mittens, candy. Of course he had candy. One box of Scammell's Universal Treasure House of Useful Knowledge. Identified as property of R.F. Tufts and stolen from the Paris Hill Academy. A wallet, caramel cups, black padlock, shell hop, two razors, strap and case, bottle of oil, bottle of checkerberry. What's checkerberry? Bank book number 4535 from South Paris Savings Bank, if you're missing that one. Tin of tobacco box containing 65 old coins. This kid had some money. $211 in bills, $119 in silver, $100 in South Paris Savings Bank, $2.37 in postage stamps, and very many other small items. So this boy burglar of Paris Hill, he was living large back then. Well, there was a little bit of sickness about smallpox in Portland, 1893. The victim of the disease is in a house full of boarders. Portland has a genuine case of smallpox. George Goodall, age 30, has been sick for two days, and the doctors now pronounce it unmistakable smallpox. The house where he lives is full of boarders, and it's been quarantined, and the police are guarding the house. Would have been quite a scene, huh? Uh, North Anson got its first taste of zero weather for the season. Eight inches of snow, which fell here Sunday, makes for fine sleighing. It was 15 degrees below zero Tuesday morning. Isn't that something, North Anson, in 1893? Well, let's look at our, our little crustacean of the moment. Uh, the hermit crab. Aren't they cute little guys? And they... Some people keep them as pets. Hermit crab, any crab of the families, Paguridae, and I'm not going to even bother trying to do the next word. These crabs use empty snail shells, whelk, or periwinkle, or any other hollow object as a shelter for partial containment and protection of their bodies. Their bodies lack a hard protected carapace, and without a shell, they are extremely vulnerable to predators. Cute little hermit crabs. I remember my brother kept one as a pet. Well, it was he thought it was the same one. It was in a tidal pool, and he'd go down and visit it. But hermit crabs worldwide in distribution occur in sandy or muddy-bodied, uh, muddy-bottomed marine waters, and occasionally on land and in trees. Their soft abdomen is asymmetrical, usually curling to the right. 
There are two pairs of antennae and five pairs of legs. The first pair of legs for the hermit crab is modified to form pinchers, and the right one usually larger that are shaped so as to cover the shell entrance when the animal is inside. The crab walks on its second and third pairs of legs and uses its shorter fourth and fifth pairs to grip the central column of the snail shell. Some hermit crabs live in the tubes of plant stems. Semi-terrestrial tropical species inhabit sections of bamboo stems or broken coconut shells and other articles in addition to seashells. One of the hermit crabs is a deep water crab of the Indian Ocean, lives in bamboo sections. One in West Indian waters at depths of up to 600 to 1200 feet live in hollow cylinders of wood, and other species make homes in coral, sponge, or empty tubes formed by tube worms. Uh, some species live in close association with other animals. There's uh, one bright red hermit crab of European North American coastal waters, often carries one or more sea anemones on its shell. And the robber crab, which is native to islands of the South Pacific, is a terrestrial species that has discarded the shell-dwelling habit. Isn't that funny? Little crab that lives in other shells. I think we're going to wrap up the podcast today, but we'll take a look at the weather and we'll send you out the door for Tuesday, December 5th. Uh, 30% chance of snow showers mainly before 7 a.m. High today is going to be about 32 of the north wind out of the uh, 5 to 10 miles per hour. For Wednesday, mostly sunny with a high near 28 north wind about 5 miles per hour. And Thursday, sunny with a high near 28, and then uh, warming up a little bit later on here as we go through the week. Well, that is our quick little Down East Mike podcast for today. And until next time, I hope that you and your loved ones enjoy a day that is full of grace, love, and kindness. We'll see you.
Hard Rock was a song called 